Welcome everybody to episode 32 of the Canberra Football Show. My name is Matt Nicoletti. Michael's sick uh, this week, but we do have Steve Forshaw back with us. Steve, thank you very much for joining me today and uh, how's it going? Really good. Thanks for having me again, man. It's been a bit, a little while. Perhaps people won't be sick of my voice. No? <laughs> and uh, I guess, first of all, uh, happy birthday for last week. And you spent your birthday night up on the scaffold at Deakin Stadium watching the FFA Cup qualifying final with Russ. Uh, give us your quick thoughts on that match before we get into the uh, the games this week. Uh, look, uh, thank you for the birthday comments. But um, I thought the cup final probably went the way we expected it to. The first half was really, really entertaining. It was a good open game. And um, I thought when Monero scored their goal to make it 2-1, they'd got themselves back into the game and it was, we were going to have something similar in the second half, a real ding-dong ding dong battle. But the, the penalty just before halftime sort of took the wind out of their sails and the second half, just became a little bit of a procession, a procession for Tigers who proved too strong and were worthy winners. And of course, they will represent Canberra in the round of 32. And I saw there's a few more teams that are starting to add to that list, but there's still a long way to go in that. So I don't think we'll uh, have that draw for a while, but uh, Tigers will definitely be waiting to see who they get next. Let's get straight into MPL one, shall we? First match of the round. In round nine, we had Monaro Panthers three, West Canberra Wanderers one, Wilson, Danning, and Bassas Silk with the goals for Monaro Panthers and Cole with the goal for West Canberra Wanderers. Uh, great bounce back victory here for Monaro after their defeat, like you mentioned, in the FFA Cup qualifying final to Tigers. Constantly put pressure on uh, West Canberra. They probably had the best uh, opportunities of the matchup. Uh, good to see their new signing as well, James Wilson, getting uh, on the score sheet right away. Uh, so he's made quite an impact already on the Monaro squad. West Canberra, though, will be uh, disappointed that they were not able to follow up uh, last round's uh, victory where they went on top of the ladder. Uh, so they'll be looking to bounce back straight away next week. What were your thoughts on uh, this one, Steve? Um, and, well, you know, before the game started, you'd have been hard-pressed to pick the winner of it. Yep. Um, although Monero's league form has... Turned, turned a corner a little bit. I mean, they were obviously disappointed to lose the cup final that have been looking forward to that round of 32 draw. Um, but I thought that they came out all guns blazing. They started the game really well. 3-1 um, in the end of the day didn't flatter them. I thought they were the better team all, all round. Um, the goal that they scored, I mean, it's been given to Cole, but I think from what I saw, it really probably wasn't own goal by Bassa Silk. So he'd have been pleased to get the third to sort of right the wrongs, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, a, a good game, a decent result for Monera, keeps them in touch with the top four now, puts them just outside and puts the pressure on those teams that are in that fourth, fifth, sixth spot. Um, so worthy winners, good bounce back. Some good performances, particularly when you consider that they were missing the likes of Bobolus and Dominici uh, for different reasons. Um, but I thought the side that Frank Casey was able to put on the park looked as well balanced as any of the Monero teams we've seen this year. And I thought they played very well. Uh, my question to you uh, about Monero before we move on to West Canberra is uh, Bassas Silk. He didn't start the final. He came on and he scored a cracking goal, didn't he, in that uh, FA Cup qualifying final. And he scored again here today. 
He's and he scored some really good goals throughout the season. He's been a pivotal part of their midfield. The reason why I wanted to ask you about him is because he's been one of the midfielders no one's really talked about too much. Everyone's talked about obviously Haptomerium, Dominici, McLaughlin, uh, Calabria, but uh, no one's really talked about the likes of Bassa Silk and well, I've talked about here on the show plenty of times about Bassa Silk and Ross Barkin, but those two I wanted to ask you about specifically because they've been arguably two of the mo- more, most key players in terms of Monaro having this resurgence from the start of the season. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, Bassa Silk has probably got lost in the mix a little bit with the sort of names that came into the Monero team this year following Frank Kasher in. Um, so he's probably got just flown under the radar a little bit. And he hasn't really been able to establish himself as a regular first 11 starter. But his influence off the, bank is the, uh, off the bench is there for all to see. The goal he scored against Tigers in the Cup final was a gem, as you said. Um, I think he's doing really well. And, uh, you know, he must be now very close to cementing a regular start because, um, as you say, he's getting them points. He's actually providing assists. He's scoring goals. His work rate has never been in doubt. He's, he can be a little inconsistent. Um, but I think probably now, over the, over the last few weeks, he's made himself almost indispensable. And as for Rose Backham, um, he's sort of been converted by Frank Cation from a, a right back into a sort of holding midfielder. And he's been their most consistent performer. And I thought certainly for the first hour in the cup final was the best player on the park. So, you know, in those two, they've got some quality and they can just build around that and keep the momentum going. Then there's no reason why they can't threaten the top four. And before we move on to the next match, uh, your thoughts on West Canberra Wanderers. This So with this uh, loss, they go to second place, two points behind Canberra Croatia, I think, and they could drop the third depending if uh, Tigers FC get the victory um, in their match against Gungahlin. If they don't, then they'll stay second. So they were top before this, and West Canberra Wanderers seem to have a tendency of bouncing back uh, immediately, and uh, Ulysses seems to find out um, what went wrong immediately. So what do you expect from uh, West Canberra going forward after this defeat? Look, exactly that. I mean, they're not the sort of team that uh, has put a run of losses together. They haven't gone back losses um, on a regular basis this season. In fact, they've been, I think, probably the surprise package for many. Um, They've they've done so well. And I think that, and I might have mentioned this last time I was speaking to you, that you can no longer look at uh, Western Camp. Yeah, you can't say that they're the three-point banker when you play them anymore. You know that you're going to have a game, no matter how, so what sort of form they might have been in the game before. So I don't think we can write them off at any stage now. And I think Yuli De Silva will be really disappointed that they didn't get something out of the game um, because they'd had, they had done so well against Gungahlin in the last game. So he'll be looking for a little bit more consistency as the season progresses. But I think um, anybody playing them will know that they've got to bring their A game if they're going to get something out of it. They're a good side, a very good side. They certainly are. And the next matchup we have is Belconnen United nil, Canberra Olympic one, Ihegi with the goal in the 50th minute. Uh, there wasn't a lot in this matchup between them. It was a pretty uh, close matchup. It was a very big win for Olympic though, like we're going to mention as they climb up to fifth place and now only one point off Belconnen actually in the top four with 11 points. Interesting start. This is actually their first victory since 
round two where they beat Belcon. Uh, Belcon. So there you go. <laughs> so that's um. So that that's a, a little coincidental there. Uh, but overall, very important victory for them. They're back in the hunt now. Uh, but Belcon and United, on the other hand, they'll feel like they should have got something out of the match. Uh, Michael Menza had a shot that was brilliantly saved by Christus. And Michael Piccolo as well had an effort from just outside the box, hitting the uh, hitting the uh, the side post. So, and also Belconnen, you have to pick up a victory in four rounds uh, after their great victory over Canberra Croatia, 2-1. So uh, there wasn't much in this one, Steve. What would you think about it? Well, it's probably a game that Belconnen will look back on and think they should have at least got something out of it. The chances they created in the first half, they should have at least registered, um, but they didn't. Uh, Christus made a couple of great saves. Piccolo, as you mentioned, hit the post, but he also had another chance from a rebound that he put over the bar and he probably should have done a little bit better than that. Mensa had chances. Um, and I think it was mentioned in the Bar TV commentary that if you don't take your chances, then it can come back and haunt you. And that's exactly what happened. You got a uh, an opportunity that fell to Ihegi he was, a, he was the calmest player on the park when it fell to him. He just took a touch, rolled it in the bottom corner, and that was enough to get Olympic across the line. But I think Belconnen will be a little disappointed that they didn't get something out of it. From Robbie Katanak's point of view, he will be absolutely delighted because, as you say, puts them back in touch with the top four, gives them that win that they've been searching for over the last few weeks. Um, and... Once again, the competition is just showing just how close it is. There's not much between any of the teams. It's a very, very cutthroat competition. Makes it really interesting for the neutral spectator. It certainly does. Moving on to the next matchup, we've got a match that you're at with Russ on the new new um, scaffold there out at Canberra 201. We had Canberra Croatia 1, Tugger on United nil, Barrett with the goal in the 48th minute. Uh, Canberra Croatia probably created more of the clear-cut chances with Barracha uh, taking um, that one. But there was also a really good shot I saw from uh, Kishta as well that was brilliantly saved. Um, but Russ said last week that Canberra Croatia haven't won at Canberra in quite a few years. So this is a, uh, this is a, a statistic that won't be extended in uh, Russ's books anymore, to say the least, from Canberra Croatia. But Tyrone still created some good chances, though, and I, I saw you mention there there was like a shot uh, guy had a shot early on and uh, could have scored early on, and this, of course, breaks their record of six draws in a row, but it's not the record uh, that the way Mitch Stevens would have liked it to be broken. Uh, still yet to register their first victory. Uh, there was a lot to unpack in this one, uh, Steve. What do you think about it? It, it was um, a game that was a little bit, scrappy you know the surface at Canberra too is not renowned for being Canberra's version of Wembley and it was a little bit bumpy um, and it, it, it affected the way both teams approached the game there's no doubt in my mind that um, Canberra Croatia went there with a particular game plan and had to change that during the game because of um, the state of the pitch having said that I thought Tuggeranong really put it to them certainly in the first half there was chances in the first sort of five or ten minutes, both ways, Marco Guy would be a little disappointed that he didn't score uh, when he took advantage of a stumble by Sam Brown and sort of poked it towards goal but didn't put enough on it. And then Jason Ugrinik similarly had a great chance and just rolled it wide at the post when he was put through. So, you know, in the, in the early stages, it could have been 
one nil one all two one two all sort of thing um but a moment of real quality sealed this for canberra croatia um it was a sort of poor attempt at a pass from and i can't remember who it was at the time um that tried to play a one-time ball from a clearance from canberra croatia and it, it, the tugrenong player played it straight to Kalfas. Kalfas, when he took possession of it, dropped his shoulder, went past his fullback and put in a cross that Daniel Barrett attacked with all the sort of purpose that you expect from Daniel Barrett and, and nodded the ball into the bottom left-hand corner. It was a moment of real quality in a game that was probably lacking a little bit of that. Um, but in the end, there is no doubt Canberra Croatia deserved the win. From a, from a Tuggeranong point of view, again, they've been competitive. Uh, again, they've done enough between the two penalty areas to sort of look like they might get something out of it, but have come up short. And, you know, they're rapidly running out of time to sort of bring themselves out of that relegation spot. So um, they played with two sixes yesterday, and I thought that worked well for them. Walsh and Connor Nolan played in the uh, holding position. I thought that worked really well. I thought the two inexperienced central defenders that played for Tobinon were very, very good. They're just lacking that spark up front. They just cannot get the ball into the back of the net. And, you know, six draws shows that they can be competitive, but they've got to start picking up three pointers. And I think Russ said as well, um, they lost before, the, I think it was before this weekend, they'd lost less matches than Canberra Croatia, even though uh, Canberra Croatia were in the top four. So, but they, I'm looking at the ladder now and I know Gungarland still have a match to play in hand, but they're three points off Gungarland uh, and they're four points off Monaro and then five points off Olympic in fifth place. So I, 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 we've been saying this for a couple of weeks, but I don't think it's all doom and gloom for Tagron yet because if they get, if they string one or two wins together, they're right back into it. Like we mentioned with uh, Canberra Olympic who, uh, before this weekend, uh, if they got another loss, and people might have been questioning that, but now they're back. Now they're back in it. So, what uh, what do you think it, uh, they'll uh, need to do to get a victory? Look, they've got to break this trend of not picking up wins. I mean, that's seven games in a row now where they haven't got a win, yeah. but they picked up six points. So yeah, and, it's still there. You know, so they're, they're there or thereabouts. They're not far off. Um, they're really lacking somebody that will give them that double figures, 10, 12, 13, 14 goals a season. They, they create chances, but they're just not being able to put them away. Um, and against quality opposition, you know, if you're struggling to score goals, you concede one and then it makes you means you've got to score two to win. And when you're already struggling, that becomes a, a mountain. They're not in a position yet where they need to panic. As you suggest, they're still close enough to those teams that are above them that they can actually catch them. But the trend is not looking good for them at the moment. And th and they've got to sort of sh shake off those sort of shackles and get themselves the three points. I mean, in the window, maybe they'll start looking around for somebody that might be able to come in and score them a few goals. Or they may just persevere with what they've got um, because there's some quality in the squad. And I guess it's just getting that magical mix correct. And, yeah, there's... There's quite a bit of time uh, for play for club store to get players in the window. I think they have till the end of the month. Uh, the last matchup didn't take place. Tigers FC and Gungahlin United. This was postponed due to pitch issues at Nijong. 
And I'm assuming it'll most likely be played in a midweek fixture at the AAS, like all midweek fixtures are. Next up, we got the preview. So let's start in round 10. So let's start with West Canberra Wanderers, Canberra, Croatia, Saturday, June 19th, 1.15 at Melrose Synthetic. Michael's going with Croatia on this one. I, this is going to be a very tough one. I'm just going to... I'm going to go with Croatia. They've been on a bit of that of that role now. They were going through a bit of a um, an inconsistent period, but they did get the big victory over Tigers before the FFA Cup, and I thought that was very important for them, and you saw them, and that really helped them come into a match like this against Tyrone, which could have been a potential uh, banana skin for them. Uh, West Canberra are going to be looking to bounce back. And like you mentioned, I don't think they have, I don't think they have gotten back-to-back losses so far this season. Uh, I think it might happen for them here, but I don't think that'll be the end of the road at all for West Canberra. But I'm going to go with a Canberra-Croatia victory here. It's going to be very close. This is going to be a very intriguing matchup. It is because I don't, I don't think Canberra-Croatia fancy playing on the synthetic for a start. And as you mentioned, their, opposite, their opponents this weekend um, don't go back-to-back with defeats. Yeah. So it, 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 it is a difficult one for Canberra, Croatia. It's one of those places, a bit like Canberra, that you're pleased to get in and get away from with three points. Um, and if they can do that and consolidate their position at the top of the table, they'll be more than pleased. I think they will. I think they're good enough to do it. You've got the added incentive that not this weekend, but the weekend after, maybe Thomas James is available to the Canberra, Croatia squad. And that puts pressure on. Yeah. Yeah. So, um it puts pressure on the, the the lads that are in his spot or the spot that he might occupy to keep performing, to keep him out. And that doesn't do Woden any favours. Um, but I think Canberra, Croatia, too strong, but in a close one. And next up, we have Monaro Panthers, Belcon and United, Saturday, June 19th, 5.30pm from Riverside Stadium. Michael's going with Monaro for this one. I'm going to agree with Monaro here. Belcon have just been... They've been creating a lot of chances, like you mentioned, but they haven't been able to take their chances. And I think this will be another close one. I'm going to go with Monaro. I think they've got, they're starting to get some momentum now, despite not getting that win in, in the FFA Cup. They did uh, show that they've uh, that uh, the quality that they have. Seems like James Wilson's picking it up. Bassa Silk scoring the goals. Uh, Kalari has just been outstanding for them. And of course, we've mentioned Ross Barkin as well, pivotal in midfield. I think they're really starting to get some momentum now, and I'm going to go with a Monaro Panthers win. But this could this uh, this could easily be one that ends up as a draw. But like you mentioned, Belco just need to start taking their chances. Yeah, um, I think you know in Bill Conan's favour is the return of I think of Isaac Clements from suspension. Yeah, uh, which he, he makes a big difference to their back four. Um, I don't think Phil Brajot played on the weekend either. Um, so if he's available, then um, they've got, you know, defenders in depth that can actually help keep them solid at the back. But it's at the other end of the park, as you quite rightly suggest, that they're having problems at the moment. Haven't won since they beat Canberra, Croatia. Um, they haven't lost many, but they haven't won. And a bit like we were talking about with Tungmanong, they need to convert those close games into wins. Um, Monero, I think, have only been beaten by Tigers and on a couple of occasions. They played them once in the league and once in the in the cup. Um, over the last four or five weeks, they they are uh, building some momentum. They're starting to click as a unit, um, and I think that they will win this and win this. I think reasonably comfortably. 
All right, next up, we've got Tiger United against Tigers FC. Sunday, June 20th, 3 p.m. at Canberra 201. Actually, before we get into this one, I believe Russ told me that he'll be doing back-to-back on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see if what he says in his Facebook post, but he might be doing both those Saturday matches. So there's a bit of a gap in between. So that works out well for him. So we've got, yet, like I mentioned, that match there. Michael's going with Tigers for this one. I'm, I'm going to agree. Tugger and United, we mentioned how it's not all doom and gloom for them since they do, they are still playing well, but Tigers, I think, are just going to, like that is the ultimate momentum boost, making the FFA Cup. As, as you would know, you've, you, you've been there and done that in that competition. It's the highest platform you can get to in this country from an MPL side. So I just think they're going to have this momentum uh, going at the moment that's not going to be unstoppable, unstoppable, but it's going to take something to get past them and the amount of depth they have. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Tigers end up getting uh, another player or two in the transfer window because they've, uh, they've already got a lot of depth and a lot of quality at the moment. So what do you think about this one, Steve? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, if it doesn't become a distraction, if the FFA Cup doesn't become a distraction, uh, and it can, um, then there is no reason why they shouldn't continue the sort of form that they've shown this, this far. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the other thing in, in their favour is that going to Canberra too won't be that much of a change from playing at my job. job. <laughs> you know, so they're, they're, they're sort of used to playing on those sort of surfaces um, and they're coming up against a Tuggeranong side that is really struggling to win games. So you'd, you'd have to favour Tigers to win this. Um, I hope Tugranon can get something out of it for the sake of the competition. I don't want to see a team sort of cut loose at the bottom and that relegation battle being sorted out quickly. And it's not yet. I'm not suggesting that for one minute. It's certainly not doom and gloom, to use your description. Um, but Tigers will bring players in from what, you know, the, the Canberra scuttlebutt is already running, running wild in terms of who might be and who might not be going to Tigers and others. Um, but I think they'll be too strong for Tuggeranong at Canberra. And I would see this in a high-scoring match. I think they'll run out quite comfortable winners. You make a good point about the pitch, but I don't think they've played at Nigeron too much this season. I think they've only played Canberra, Croatia and Monaro there, but the majority of the, the side definitely have played there quite a bit. Last up in round 10, we have Gungahlin United against Canberra Olympic Sunday, June 20th, 3.15 p.m. at AS Grassfield 2. Michael's going with the Gungala one for this one. I don't think there's going to be a lot between these sides. I'm going to go for a draw here. Uh, Olympia have gotten themselves some good momentum. Gungalan uh, end up having two weeks off. Uh, you know, unintentionally, of course, there's the week off that everyone had if you weren't in the final and then uh, their match was postponed. So, yeah, unintentionally two weeks off. We'll, let's see if this helps them or hinders them in that regard. I, I'm going to go with a draw on this one. I, Gungalan need to start picking up a a win or two as well. Um, but Olympic gotten, gotten themselves some good momentum. And I think Gungahlin are going to have a few signings. I'm not sure if they're going to be playing uh, in the next match, but we'll wait and see. Yeah, Luke, this is probably, <laughs> I'm going to say this is the hardest one to pick. It's yep. been proved impossible to pick them all season. Um, but I'm going to go against you both. I'm going to stick with Olympic in this. I think yep. Olympic might get away with this one. Um, they're well-organised. They're very, very strong in terms of their team spirit. They work hard for each other, play for each other. 
in a heggy, they've got a proven goal scorer and on his day can tear teams apart. Um, and even when he's quiet, he can come up with the winning goal like he did against Bill Connell. So I'm going to, I'm just going to plump for, in a close one, Olympic. And that's us for MPL one. Steve, before we let you go, uh, do you know what matches you're going to be doing this weekend? I'm doing the Monero Bill Connon game. Russ, Russ is doing the two on Saturday. Yep. Um, but I'm joining him for the second one, the evening game, Monero Bill Connon. Then I'm joining him again at the AIS um, for Gungahlin Olympic, where I'll be able to see firsthand whether my predictions are correct. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much for joining me, Steve. And I look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thank you. Anytime, mate. Thanks, mate. Bye-bye. We're here for MPLW and Matty Moore is back on the show. Matty, great to have you back on, mate. How you been? Yeah, cheers, mate. Good to good to be back. Look, I've, I've been well, mate. And like the rest of the world, probably really excited about the amount of football that's going on at the moment and also terrified about the amount of sleep I'm going to lose in the next, you know, four weeks or so. But uh, no, I'm good. You know, family's good and, and football's exciting as always. So yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, mate. Let's start with the first match we have. Uh, sort of a replica of the final, not just in terms of the match, but also the scoreline. Canberra Croatia four, West Canberra Wanderers one, Berkeley with a goal, Grace Gill with two goals. One of them was a penalty and Jones with the other goal. Uh, like I said, replay from uh, the final last week. It was another big uh, victory for Canberra Croatia. And in terms of league form, it was technically a bounce back for them because they did lose to CUA the previous round. And, they did score quite a few goals. And for me, the pick of the bunch was Grace Gill's first goal uh, just uh, on the edge of the box. Beautiful uh, strike that was. Let's not forget West Canberra, though. Still missing Tiana Jaber. She's still going to be out for, I think, one more match at the at very least. And then um, Sarah Whitfield wasn't there either. So you go from not having Jaber to not having Whitfield as well. That's not going to help the uh, the West Canberra defense. And they also got a red card, I think, Um which is what led to the red card. Uh, sorry, which is what led to the penalty. So what are your thoughts on this one, Maddie? And actually, before we get into it, what, did you see that um, what uh, Hannah Koppel got the red card for? No, I missed the, I missed the red card. Bit. I it, think I was looking so away. It was, she knew exactly what she was doing because as soon as... So what happened was during the goal, she was standing on the line and she went like this to stop yeah. the ball. Right. And immediately, as soon as the ref whistled, blew it, she started walking. She knew exactly. She, <laughs> could, she, knew, she knew exactly what uh, what she yeah. did wrong. But it was weird because it was one of the most blatant ones, but she knew immediately what she was like, you know, like she wasn't trying to be like, oh, no, I didn't do that. You know, it was, yeah. it was very it was very clear from the camera as well. So uh, I found that interesting. I haven't seen one of the – I've definitely seen it before, but I haven't seen it in a while. But, but what do yeah. you think about uh, this matchup? The last, last handball like that, I remember, was like Suarez in a world, couple of World Cups ago. Um, but yeah, so so the majority of the rest of the match, and you're right about Whitfield and and J Bar. I mean, we saw the loss that J Bar had in the in the Fed Cup final, and uh, they're sort of two key pieces that you don't really want missing when when you're playing the top of the table guys. And um, Canberra Croatia again just continue to show that you know that their depths you know there, and and I think that's probably one of the pleasing things for Nick Brosnich is, yeah. although we were seeing some familiar uh, familiar faces in you know Gill and, and and Jones is becoming a regular off the bench in terms yeah. of popping the ball in the back of the net, um, the reliance that we probably saw on on Grace Gill and and Britt Palombi last year isn't quite as much, and the fact that they can produce a result like that with, you know, what we would say is probably a, you know a, a, I guess a, a less effective 
um, sort of front line that, you know, and that's only because we have such high expectations of that Canberra Croatia front line and the damage that they can do. Um, they'll be, they'd be pretty happy with that. They're probably still annoyed that they that they've conceded a goal, but the, the signs are positive and, and they would have seen that as a really good opportunity, you know, not knowing what was going to happen in the CUA Bell Connor game as well to, to try and make sure that they, um, you know, they would have been hoping to, to get a bit of a gap there. But uh, West Canberra is a bit of an interesting one. So they've had this great run in the, in the Federation Cup now. And, you know, the, the, the back-to-back 4-1 losses, for, for lack of a better term, it, it starts to become a bit of a turning point for them. And, and the next two to three weeks really will tell us how their season's going to shape out. I remember when I was on here with you and Michael a couple of weeks ago and I sort of said, if they don't make top four, they're probably a little bit, disappointed and I still think that's that's the case but given some of the other results over the weekend it's getting that much harder and they're, they're going to really need to start jamming home and and taking advantage of, of games against you know the likes of a, of a Canberra Olympic and a Gungahlin to really start to bridge that gap because I think they're sitting six at the moment um, yeah. but still really positive signs I mean they're, they're far more advanced from a football point of view than I thought they'd be you know at sort of halfway through the season you can see some really well-developed um, patterns of play there um, but it's just one of those days where if you're missing two key players you know against Canberra Croatia that's that's a big ass straight away and you know you take the you take the send off and and the quality of Grace Gill around the edge of that 18 yard box as you mentioned earlier Matt I mean I've seen her do it for what it feels like a thousand years and um, you know you're supposed to get slower and a little bit worse as you get older I know I certainly did I think I hit 25 and went downhill and, and Grace seems to still be accelerating and, and dominating play. And, and, and that's a key factor for, for Canberra Croatia, you know, your Talos person, you know, she's, she's the heart and soul of that club and she's still producing for him, which is vital. She certainly is. And I just wanted to bring up the, uh, the ladder quickly, because you mentioned there they're in sixth place. They're only two points off Gagalan, but remember Gagalan aren't fourth. So Olympic uh, fourth and they have 16 points now. So there's already there's a six point gap there. Granted, if Woden Weston could get some, uh, sorry, it says Woden Weston on this ladder, but if West Canberra Wanderers can get something uh, this weekend, and if they hope that Olympic, you know, don't get a, a victory or a draw, then uh, they're one step cl- uh, one step closer. Same as Gungahlin United in that regard, but that just proves how competitive it is when you've got, yeah, when you've got Woden Weston, Gungahlin, Canberra Olympic, Canberra United Academy, all within that seven point range. And then there's a five-point gap between Canberra Croatia and Belcon and Maddie. So we got a bit of a race going on. And we mentioned it before, but now it's really starting to spice up. Uh, my question to you is uh, before we move on to the next match, is uh Renee Juno recently has been um lighting it up as a fullback um of late, and she's been starting quite a few uh quite a few matches and doing really well. Uh, she did really well in that Fed Cup final, especially, I thought. So what do you make of uh, her progression, just uh, slotting into that fullback role over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, she's been she's been really brilliant. She's been a really valuable addition. And I remember watching round one where Juna didn't didn't play and Jeremy and I were out there. And um, I think they had Cecilia Matic playing at the on the right-hand side of defence. And, and Jeremy and I thought at the time, or oh, sorry, I thought I shouldn't speak for Jeremy in case he doesn't agree. I thought at the time that that was going to be a real problem spot for them um that was the weak point sort of looking at that if i was a, a bill Cornyn or a, or a cua and cua in that round one game had a lot of success down there and um what, what you've seen now is is juno who's probably a little bit unknown to a lot of 
people in the women's game because you spent so long in the, yeah, in the boys' man. side of things. And and the the physicality and the speed of which he plays with the sort of two-touch tempo and the ability to see the ball and, um, you know, pick her moments to go forward. But her composure has been vital. And I think she's probably the missing probably been a little bit of the missing link in that back four. You know, we, we know we've got Churchill on one side, but with, with Juna on the other, she's, she's actually been quite clutch. And, and the thing for, for that is, is that whoever's playing on that right-hand side in front of her now um, has got a huge amount of confidence that they don't have to worry about. So it's normally foggy. She doesn't have to stress too much about helping Juna out and a little bit like on the other side with, Churchill behind Palombi so they can afford to neglect their defensive responsibilities a little bit um, but it's also her ball playing skills as well like this is a this is a girl who's played in you know ACT rep teams as, as a central midfielder as well so she knows how to read the play and break it up and and she's probably been one of the one of the key additions I think for for Canberra Croatia this year you know Fogarty's come in and done well we know Jenny Bissett's come back but you know, the old adage goes, you know, strikers win your games, defence wins your championships. And, and Juno's really solidified that in, a, in an area that I thought might have been a bit of a problem um, after round one. And, and I can't give her, her enough credit. And moving on to the next uh, match, we've got Wagga City Wanderers, 3-0 victory over Tugger and United, Castle and Grower Compost with two. Uh, good victory for Wagga here. This is their second win of the season. Their other win in the season came against... Tugger and United in this position as well. Uh, from the goals that I saw, it seemed like they figured out the weakness of the keeper on the day, which is sort of balls just under the um, crossbar. And that third goal from Goro Compost, what a strike that was. I mean, to be fair to the keeper, there's no way that that definitely wasn't a weakness of hers. Like there's no way you, a lot of keepers weren't going to get to that. The the speed and the accuracy and the um, strength on that second one from Campos was absolutely fantastic. Um, a hard trip for Tuggies. It always is a hard trip to go to Wagga. Um, they're still in first search for their first win. And we mentioned, I, I think when you came to the show last was when Paolo Romero was first announced, but he didn't coach that week. So he hasn't had too long with the squad. He hasn't had too many matches to sort of um, figure out what he wants to do um, uh, with his team in terms of what, what um, system will work best for them. Uh, so... What do you what did you make of this matchup? And um, yeah, we'll just start with that. Yeah, and I, I think like you know, full full credit to Wagger. I mean, they you know they would have probably highlighted the Tuggerong game given what they'd done before, and, and this is an improved Tuggerong outfit as well. And and you're right about that second goal. I don't I don't care who's between the sticks. <laughs> you know, good luck to you getting on the end of that one. And and I know that Wagger's got some injury concerns as well. Like you know, they've recently put out a post asking for yep. you know you know, more players, you know, due to long-term injuries and things like that. So, you know, all those, you know, to do that. And then in the same week, um, Sam being able to really combine the team and, and get those patterns of play uh, sorted and drive home, and get a three nil victory would, would be really, really important for them. And, and they were good value um, a few weeks ago against Belconnen as well. Like they really dug in and, and, and saw it out. And, and against a, a team like Tuggerong United, who, you know, seen play, you know, really stretch Belconnen United as well, as well as Canberra Olympic for, for large stretches of, uh, of games. And, and they're, they're a team that'll, that'll probably get better as a, in, in the second half of the season. Um, they would be really pleased with, well, obviously with the three points, but also how they went about it, you know, not conceding. They, 
They conceded the last time. I think Zoe Terry got a goal against them last time, but they seemed a lot, a lot more compact and, and really organised and, and they really took away the, I guess, the speed threat that Tuggerong United had had sort of exposed against a, a three-person defence of, of Doc Connor and Canberra Olympic earlier. So they, they really, you know, full credit to Sam he's, uh, and the team. They've done their homework and they've executed the plan really, really well. And, you know, on the flip side of that, you've got Paolo Romero. He's been around for a couple of weeks and, and, and you can start to see little signs. And, um, and I remember speaking to one of the other, you know, one of the players at Tuggerong and them saying, you know, he's been pretty clear, um, you know, give me, give me four or five weeks and, and let's see where we're at and what we're doing. And I think that's a really good way to go about it. He probably needs two or three weeks to get familiar with the players and work out whether what he's got in his head is going to work um, and, and be able to alter that. So I think, the, you know, the third time around when they play Wagga or they play whoever, we'll see a really different target on the outfit that, that's starting to, to grow. And, and I don't think they're going to go through without, you know, with zero points this year. I think, I think they've got a really good chance of uh, picking up some surprise points as well. Like, you know, it won't be a, you know, a 1-1 draw with Wagga or something like that. You know, they're, they're just as likely to pinch points off Belconnen as they are off, you know, anybody else. And the window's still open until the end of the month. Do you see either of these two sides uh, sort of getting uh, more recruits in considering, like you mentioned, at the start of the season, uh, Tuggerong were doing something similar to what Wagga are doing now. They were looking for players and they even put something on Facebook as well. Do you do you see them having any luck in that uh, department? Look, it's hard. Look, it's obviously hard. hard Sorry, that's probably the worst question I could ask. No, no, that's a... Yeah, love transfer speculation. Um, <laughs> It's it's obviously harder for Wagga to, yeah. to bring people in than, than it is for anybody else, and and they would have to be asking themselves the question, you know, if somebody became available, who who are they going to target? Are they willing to target somebody who's Canberra based, who yeah. might not necessarily be able to train week in, you know, session. session they'll show up to the games, yeah. Yeah, but you know, you know, you've got some, you know, a quality footballer or two that when you travel to Canberra, which is always a hard ask for Wagga every couple of weeks, that you've got that quality they're ready to go or, or, you know, even just travel down for, you know, the other way for, for a game. So it's harder for them. I think for Tuggerong, I think for them, it's less about recruitment and more now about solidifying what, what they have and, and starting to, to grow the, the group that they have it and building for next year. I think their recruitment drive probably starts after the final whistle of the final round. Where they've been, where Paolo's hopefully got them to a point where they're really competitive and they're starting to stretch teams, and that will then bring the interest. Because at the moment, unless they're going to go, you know, sniffing around reserve grade and pulling players from there, I don't know that there's too many players coming across. And if you're taking players from other teams' reserve grades, unless they're, you know, tried and trusted, uh, you know, tried and trusted sort of previous first grade footballers. Um, you might as well give your own kids a go and, and start from there is, is sort of my thoughts. And next up, we have Canberra Olympic and Garland United, 3-2, Vandenbroek, Sykes and Hulse with the goals for Olympic, Percival and Ella Brown with the goals for Garland United. You were, you joined me there for the commentary. Olympic came out of the gates flying, didn't they, Matty, with uh, Ashley Sykes in the opening couple of minutes, hitting the post, hitting both posts, I think, actually, um, uh, left and right. Uh, they utilized their pace very well, broke on Gungal and very quickly gave, um, they, they found Ashley Sykes in space. They found Vandenbroek in space to, you know, to, to run into the, 
into the holes. And, um, you know, Sykes, like I mentioned, was deadly as always. I thought um, besides the forward players, I thought Sienna Farrow uh, Farrow was also very, very good. She did a lot defensively and she also uh, was a great uh, outlet down that left-hand side for Sykes or Vandenbroek or um, Heather Garriott going down that side as well. Yeah, but in terms of Gungahlin, they'll be disappointed with the way they started the first half. We mentioned on commentary quite a bit. But uh, safe to say that whatever Diego said to them worked. They came out in the second half and they were a different team. They got themselves back into it. But uh, that whole skull from uh, long range, which which I missed because I was quickly taking a note. So, uh, uh, that, so um, yeah, but that one, when that hap- happened, it sort of took the sailors out of Gungahlin despite them getting another goal back. So, um there was a lot in this one, Maddie. We probably uh, got lucky. Uh, we probably chose the right game to do that weekend. It was certainly an entertaining one. What'd you make of it? Yeah, it was definitely entertaining. And, and uh, I probably didn't think it was going to be as entertaining as it was at halftime. It really looked like Olympic were going to run away with it. And you're right, Matt. They they dominated from from the outset. And, and Gungarland seemed to be, you know, almost overly concerned about um, Sykes's pace in behind it and, and Van der Brook. We, we made the comment in the call that, you know, Matty Percival in particular was sitting sort of seven or eight metres off the line and and that made it really hard for any of the centre-backs to sort of challenge Sykes with, with any kind of insurance in behind them. And um, and one thing going back and, and looking at the other games, the influence of, of Garriock actually stood out a little bit more when I went back and, and had a look. You know, she... You know, she's got all the technical skills and I, and I made the comment at the time that I would have liked to have seen the, the players get in her face a little bit more and, and push her. But she did on occasions make some some really good space for herself and actually found herself in, in pockets. And, and I think her influence on the game was probably more evident that as she came off, the the momentum that Gungalan were able to pick up when she came off and Atulu came on in the second half um, speaks influence of, of her of her influence throughout the game. And it actually meant that Sykes started to drift out. Um, and, and I wonder now if, if teams looking at Canberra Olympic, it's not so much how do you stop Ash Sykes because that's sometimes an impossible ask, but how do you stop the ball to, to Sykes getting in there? And, and, and that'll be the key. But you're right about Farrah. She was solid as a rock defensively and really aggressive going forward. And, and it probably wasn't until McCann slipped into the centre back role for Gungarland and Legends came out into a wide role that we started to, to to see a little bit more sort of positivity. And there's probably a couple of questions for for Gungarland to ask themselves, and it's particularly around that midfield area. We saw Pennyfield start in the midfield again with the with the two Demarco sisters, um, and, and is that their best? three um you know if they're going to continue with a three-person midfield we know Corbett was out you know Gumbali who's who probably could have played center back on the weekend is another one who didn't play but the the best 11 from Gungarland which we all you know probably the last couple of years I've been pretty confident that you know you've probably got 12 to fit in 11 but it's it's a pretty you know uh stable group just watching over the last couple of weeks I'm probably three or four weeks. I'm not too I'm not too sure now. For me, Pennyfield, you know, in that second half on the on the wing was way more effective. I mean she almost got a goal two minutes into that second half. And a Tulu coming into the center of midfield and, and her just essentially playing a holding role, you know, that you know, people of my age grew up, you know, knowing as the, you know, the Vince Grella role where you just sort of sit there and sweep it up and, and distribute the play. And 
and that freed up the the two DeMarco girls as as well. So there, there's some questions that Diego's probably you know going away and, and thinking about what's my best front three, um, and what's my best midfield three because you know in in the grand scheme of things, once they made the adjustment in the back four, they actually managed it not too not too bad. But um, there are there are some certain question marks there and. And it might almost be what's my best 11 without Michelle Heyman um, in terms of we assume Michelle will play a number nine when she becomes available. So let's put all the other pieces in place. So we've only got to plug Michelle in. And, and that's where I'm not sure where Gungarland are at yet. Whereas um, Olympic seem really settled, 3-5-2, you know, Ash Sykes getting in behind, Farah. Jordi uh, Oida had a, had a good first game. Miro being a box-to-box player in the midfield now to take some pressure off um, Hardwick and, and Garrick as well. And, and we're in for a really interesting stretch with them because they did look the goods for 45 minutes uh, yesterday and, and for probably the last half an hour, they, they looked like they were in real real trouble. And and I think they've got Bill, I think you're doing the Bill Connor game with Jeremy this week and, and that'll give us a really good indication of of where Olympic are, are truly at, um, especially if, you know, we're talking about or I'm talking about the reliance of, you know, Heather Garriock, you know, organising things and, and helping run the show. Can she go 75, 85 minutes against a Belcon and to help organise and, and control that group? And if she can't, who else can can step up? And that's the, that's the question mark for me around Olympic is their 11 is probably really, really good. What's underneath the 11 do they have the the bodies and play to be able to finish a game off? And and there's some question marks on that. I think after after what we saw yesterday. And yeah, uh, the last time we're going to mention it quickly in the preview, but the last time they faced Belcona, and that was when they were going sort of through their um, defensive transition. They were trying to figure out what to do defensively, and they've been pretty solid defensively. Like by this game, where they conceded to, they haven't really conceded too much recently. So that should help them going into the Belcona game, right? Yeah, it should absolutely fill them with confidence. And uh, I think the really interesting thing that I'll, that, that I'll, I can't wait to see on Saturday is uh, do Olympic hold true and stick to that 3-5-2. Because yeah. Belconnen's traditionally played with a front three. So if Akira Bobbin's playing, you know, up, up front, are you happy to leave her one-on-one with, you know, Jameson or Hals or, or Cook or whoever it may be? And, and and use that, that midfield dominance that we talked about yesterday uh, during the call. So, well, they had five across the midfield um, and, and that was the killer for Gungahl and they couldn't, they couldn't work out how to deal with that, that five across the midfield. So if they can impose themselves in that way, um, I think it lends itself to a really interesting contest. The, the one thing that Belconnen probably have, and I know I'm probably getting the preview space that, that Gungahl don't have, is that really dominant central midfielder in Michaela Thorpe. Yep. So how how to Olympic deal with that aspect? Um, that that'll be the key thing because Elka Atulu only played forty five minutes, and for the first twenty five of that forty five minutes, she was the boss. She ran the show, um, and and at times you thought she was single handedly going to drag her back in, and she almost she almost did at the end there if it wasn't for Haynes flying off her line um, to make a vital save. So um, interesting. Interesting things there, but but Olympic will be thrilled with the three points just to get that four point buffer and just start to get the feeling now that any game between Olympic Gungarland and and West Canberra is going to go a long way to um, deciding who gets that fourth spot. 
and and the the coa are also only one point above olympic yeah. as well so it's 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 going to be a very very interesting um top six to say the least and the last matchup of the round we've got belconnie united two Cambry United Academy zero, uh, Vanessa Ryan and Riley Ewan with the goals for Bill Conan. Hard for victory for Belco. Because um, they were coming up against a, a, a pretty informed side in the CUA, obviously defeating Canberra Croatia um, during the season, which Bill Conan haven't been able to do during the season. I know they beat them in the um, in the charity shield. Um, regarding both of Bill Conan's goals, I thought Vanessa Ryan's goal was... Uh, very good team play, broke away, made that run and in a very tight space, made a one-two. And um, when she retrieved, they put it in the back of the net. Uh, the CUA, from what I saw, though, they had a few chances though, in this matchup, but they weren't able to bring that sort of... Um, they weren't able to impose the same game plan in the Belco match that they were that they were able to in the Canberra-Croatia match. So what did you make of this one, uh, Matty? It was an important win for Belconnen, of course, when you're tying with at the top of the table with the champions in it to pick up, you know, the three points every time you can. Yeah, and, and that that first goal by by Ryan from a, you know, just as a, you know, as somebody who's coaching the Premier, that, that got me really excited, that sort of one-touch combination play. And, and they're the things that, that, you know, probably make the Belconnen coaching staff really excited because they're the, they're the moments that are so hard to break down you know, or so hard to stop, you know, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter who it is. And I think this is a really big step forward for Phil Bell Corner. Um, CUA, you know, quite rightly, probably on a massive high after beating Canberra Croatia, because there's not many people who've done that in the last couple of years. Um, but I think Bell Conan, you know, they, they held the game plan well, and I think they probably matched up a little bit better. Um, with CUA than, than Canberra Croatia did just in terms of that aggressiveness through the midfield and, and that ability to, to drive. I mean, it's, a, it's one of those things where, where Belcon, we mentioned, uh, I mentioned Mac, Michaela Thornton earlier, like she, she's the heart and soul of that team. And, and sometimes with Canberra Croatia, in that midfield area, we don't necessarily have someone who takes control because there's so many good players. You don't necessarily need to, but when stuff starts to get tight and it starts to get hard, um, you really need somebody to, to stand up and, you know, go back a couple of weeks to Canberra, Croatia and Grace Gill came, Grace Gill came off and, and to not have the, the leader out there makes it hard. Whereas Thornton saw everything through yesterday and, and played a massive role in Ewan's goal in, um, for, for number two and, and CUA, although disappointed with the result, they're, they're probably much happy with the performance. I mean, the last time the teams played, I think it was seven, one or something. And, and the academy come off back-to-back games against Canberra, Croatia, where they've been beaten up on the scoreboard and probably beaten up on the, you know, physically as well. But, you know, full credit to to Vicky Linton to, you know, what she's done since she's come back from holidays. She's she's made the world of difference there. And we're starting to see an academy unit that, that we were used to seeing probably, you know, in the days where, you know, Ray Dower, you know, Ruin Clancy and Ryan Krogan were there. They, they've really come back with a vengeance and, there's, there's certainly a heap of positives there. They weren't as clinical as they would have liked to have been, um, but you'd probably be more worried if you weren't making chances as opposed to not not putting them away. And and I think they'd, they'd probably fancy themselves the, the next time around. There's still a couple of tweaks in that game where I, I think if they can get the midfield runner beyond, um, you know, especially Hunt when she's playing in the nine like they did against Canberra Olympic, that's actually going to create Bill Conner a, a real 
real load of problems through there and, and maybe just one or two kids who are who are off their game which is which is going to happen because they're kids um but you know for, for the most part you know this time last year the academy if you'd offered them a two nil loss to belcon and they probably would have would have taken it so really really pleasing signs for them um and and no doubt there's only the only way is up for, from there and now we head into the uh, prediction slash previews of round 10. We start with Belconnen United, Canberra Olympic, Saturday, June 19th, 3 p.m. at McKellar Park. Like you mentioned, pardon me, like you mentioned in that uh, breakdown of Canberra Olympic, this is going to be the real test for them to see how far they've come. We know they've come far, but this is the, the real test because when they faced each other last, it was 7-1 or 7-2, something like that, uh, where they had a lot more chances uh, than... Um, you were, I think you called that game. They had a lot more chances than they um, put away Olympic. But this is going to be an interesting one. Michael's going for Belco. So is Jeremy. I'm going to go with Belco as well, but I don't think it's going to be as that big a scoreline as it was before. I think it's going to be a pretty tight one. And like you said, it's it, it, it's it's going to be that Belco's you know sort of mission to stop those balls going into Ash Sykes. And what are Olympic going to do if their original game plan of getting the balls to Ash Sykes or to Vandenbroek doesn't work. Uh, how, how are they going to sort of um, come back from that? It, I, I could look, they, they're good enough for a draw or even a win, but I just think Belco recently, they started to pick themselves up again after that loss to Canberra Croatia and they've, they've done really well and they've kept some good clean sheets as well. So Belcona will be happy with that. And it always helps when you've got someone, Christina Esposito and the goals. I, I forgot to mention that, there was one save where she made early on where uh, Canberra United player, I forgot who it was. Uh, one of the defenders made a mistake, um, passed it to the def- uh, to the attacker. She immediately ran in, but immediately Esposito was off her line and cleared up the ball. That makes yourself so much more confident as a defender when you know you've got a keeper that can do that for you. Uh, what do yeah. you think about this one, Matty? <laughs> it's always nice to have a keeper who can clear up after you, after you mess. Um, and Esposito's been good. I, I think back to even Canberra Croatia at McKellar and her making this huge save to her right-hand side off her header in the bottom right-hand corner. And, and, you know, she can make all the difference in the world. And yeah, I think I'd, I'd lean towards Belconnen as well um, in this one. And if I think back to the last time they played each other, Belconnen were really successful in turning it into a, a almost a scrappy transition game. Like a lot of their goals weren't necessarily by design. They were by an individual creating something or an individual, you know, winning a turnover or more often than not Olympic, just turning the ball over. And I think Olympic are a lot more composed outfit now than they were. My, my concern is, as, as I mentioned earlier, is I, I don't know how they stop Michaela Thornton and I don't know how they restrict her influence. And, and I think that's the, that's the key from a Belconnen point of view. If you can take Michaela Thornton out of the play, um, I don't know who else drives them to, to victory. You've got Katie Woodman there who will pop up and, and is potentially likely to, to sneak you a goal. Um, but in terms of that distribution, that drive to get it through to your Talia backhouses and your, and your Ewans and your Bobbins, um, Thornton is the one who creates those transition moments and allows them to, to drive. And, and they might be out of container for 45, 50 minutes, um, but I don't know that they can do it for the full 90. And, and I think, think that midfield outfit for Belconnen plus the pressure that they'll get from their front three might be able to restrict those balls to to Sykes. Um, 
But in saying that, Sykes only needs, you know, one or two chances and, you know, it could be one or two, two nil. But I, I just, just not sure that, that Olympic are, are quite at the point yet where they can contain that outfit. But it'll be, it'll be a cracker of a game. And, you know, it's probably only a, a 2-1 win or a 3-1 win maybe to Bell Climb. And next up, we have West Canberra Wanderers against Canberra United Academy Sunday, June twentieth, twelve forty-five p.m. at Melrose Synthetic. Michael's going for a draw. Jeremy's going for a CUA. I'm gonna go with a CUA victory, but I think uh, this match was close last time. I think CUA won two-one. I think it's going to be similar. It's going to be probably a little more. It's going to be just as intense as I think we saw that Canberra-Croatia game, but probably a little more because West Canberra have that intensity about them. Still no Tiana Jaber. I'm not sure what goes with Sarah Whitfield, but I think um, I just think they're, uh, the intensity that CUA are going to bring might just overcome them a little bit, and the back-to-back 4-1s doesn't help. Like I said, they still don't have Jaber, who's a big loss there, not just defensively, but she's so important for that transition from defense to attack. Uh, which I think when she comes back, you'll see the difference that she makes in that regard. Like they can still defend well without it, but like I meant, that transition, that that link-up play, which Jeremy mentioned last week on the show, will be uh, crucial. Uh, what about you, Matty? Yeah, I think the thing that plays in West Canberra's favour is that it's at Melrose. So the pitch is yep. a bit smaller. So they're not going to have to cover as much ground. J-Bar's ability to be able to win the ball and help them transition, although it will still be missed, isn't quite as critical um, compared to Hawker, where it's just such a really big, wide, expansive area. And I think that's that's why I'm kind of leaning towards a, a draw there. And Stanbury will be will be really amped up to at least take something um, off this place, uh, off, off CUA, given that I think Gungahlin are playing Wagga and things like that. So I think this is a good opportunity for them to, to reset. They were really close last time, at, as you mentioned, at, at Hawker. And although there'll be a, a heap of energy and, and a really big press from CUA. I just think the fact that, that the ground is so small at Melrose will just relieve a little bit of pressure. There's not as much space for, um, you know, people like Christopherson and, and Hunt to expose him behind um, through there. Uh, and the Alex McKenzie um, and, and her physicality and her, her speed to be able to beat players 1v1 because if she gets away, you know, on that on that small pitch, then then she'll be hard to 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 pull down. So I think it's probably going to be you know like a one one this one. Next up, we have Canberra Croatia Tugger on United Sunday, June twentieth, two thirty p.m. at Deakin Stadium. Michael says Canberra Croatia. So does Jeremy. I'm going to go with Canberra Croatia as well. Like we've mentioned, there are positive aspects about Tugger on United, and they did do really well in this fixture against them. I know it was like a six nil scoreline or so, six one scoreline in the end, but. Uh, four of those goals came in the last 10 minutes. And before that, they had a very good, resolute defensive performance against Canberra, Croatia. Um, but the Canberra, Croatia just seemed like a steam train, a bullet train at the moment ever since that loss. And I think they needed that loss. I'm sure. I think Nick came on and said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that like we needed to lose eventually. Like you're not going to go through a massive season. And sometimes it's, you know, the, the monkey off the back, getting that loss out of the way that he lose it all last season. So it's so far it's worked to their advantage. And like we've mentioned for Romero, it's still going to take a little bit more time to get used to this. Maddie? Yeah, and you'd rather have your, your first loss a couple of weeks ago than in the semi-final, right? So better to get it out of the way early. And yep. um, yeah, look, I think think Canberra Croatia will be too strong. And and uh, I think what we'll what we'll see though is 
you know, it's still the same defensive grip from from Tuggerong United, um, you know, and hopefully with Steph Coates back, um, that that gives them um, a little bit of extra confidence through through the back line there, and and looking to expose um, Canberra Croatia on the counter for for their opportunities, and, and for Tuggerong United, you know, games like this, you know, people aren't expecting them to necessarily go through and, and pinch a point here, but. It'll be about little moments for, for them, the moment that they stop Palombi or the moment that, you know, they've created the chance and, they've, and they hit the post and just those little moments of belief that although they're, they're frustrating because they didn't come off, you know, because I hit the post, I didn't finish it or, you know, I tripped over before I got to goal. What, what it starts to do, it gives Paolo Romero something to point out and go, okay, look, we're putting these things in place and we're starting to build and we're creating, you know, chances against the best team in the league and, and we're holding them out for these periods of, in time and we'll start to find that, you know, they'll probably be hoping that they can keep Canberra Croatia out for, you know, 75 minutes this time instead of, you know, 50 or 60, like it was last time. And it'll just be, just be really little moments for them. That'll, that'll help them to, to continue to grow, but it's hard to say anything other than a, than a Canberra Croatia victory at the end of the day. Next up, we have Gungahlin United, Wagga City Wanderers, Sunday, June 20th, 3 PM Gungahlin enclosed. Michael says Gungahlin, Jeremy says Gungahlin. I'm going to agree with them, Gungahlin. This is a, probably a must-win for them. Um, I know they won last week against Tyrone, but this is a must-win for them in terms of the points. We mentioned it before the table. Uh, they everyone needs to pick up. Everyone in that area needs to start picking up some points now before before you get to that. You know, before pressure starts to grow. And we mentioned before, Gungahlin United aren't used to being you know in this position. They haven't in a very long time, and I think the next couple of weeks is going to be key to show how Gungahlin are going to respond to being in a position that they're not used to. Uh, Matty? Yeah, and, and we talk about must-win for August. Must-win for Gungahlin, I think. Like, this yeah. this is a huge reset opportunity for them to to try and get a bit of confidence back. We know how hard it is for Wagga to, you know, drive all the way up here and, you know, and play. And, and they'll be full of confidence having played Tuggerong as well. But Gungahlin really need to get this right on the weekend. And I think they need to score early as well. I think if Wagga can set up a defensive block that contains Gungahlin for 20, 25 minutes. There's going to be some real mental demons in there for Gungahlin, no matter how much they're, they're dominating, because we saw how much they dominated for periods yesterday um, and they couldn't get over the line. And that's going to sit in the back of the mind and, and it'll be a really big sort of mental push from Diego and the, and the team uh, through the week to, to really plan it out in terms of patience and, and not getting frustrated and, and whatever he believes his best 11 is um, at this point in time, they've, they've got to start on the weekend. He's got to get all his troops going because if they, you know, get a draw or heaven forbid lose to Wagga, that's a really dangerous spot that could, you know, sort of send their season spiraling for, for a team that we we're all talking about as, as a potential top two challenger um, will make life really, really difficult. Um, and I think they will, I think they'll do it, you know, I sound very doom and gloom and, and the world's coming to an end. I, I, you know, that's the pessimistic coach in me, but I think Gungahlin, will, they'll do it. I think they'll, they'll pull it together. I think we saw good signs with the, the DeMarco sisters in the second half. I think Pennyfield out wide for me is a must. And if they do that with a with the two, with, with Brown and Brown up front, I think they'll be fine. Um, but it's just a matter of going out there and executing now because they've got a big couple of weeks ahead of them as well. And, and this is their reset point. Indeed, and uh, I forgot to mention before in that Gagalan bit that Courtney McCann was also very impressive in centre-back. 
uh, when she uh, got moved there. Had a you know tough job trying to mark uh, Ashley Sykes and Vanderbrook, but uh, she was pretty impressive as well. Yeah, she was she was brilliant. She uh, you know to have that flexibility within the team to, and we spoke about it in the call, like you know how can I change the team without making a sub and being able to pull McCann in and and push Legends a little bit wider, you know, and, and from a personal point of view, I prefer Legends in that wider role. I think she just gives so much going going forward, you know, as, no matter how good she is defensively. That that flexibility is is brilliant. And McCann, she, you know, she stood up to probably the best in, you know, if one of the best, if not the best in the competition and and had immediate impact and um, and that had a had a flow on effect. Legends was able to creep forward, got a shot on goal. Um, and then when Atulu came in, they had that little bit of extra coverage there. Um, and because McCann was doing such a good job on Sykes and, and Vandenbroek, it meant that Atulu didn't have to stress too much uh, around that space and she could do her thing as well, which is always an impressive thing when Atulu's able to have free reign. So certainly is. Maddie. it was a pleasure as always. Thanks for coming on and I uh, hope to have you back on in the, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, anytime, Matt. Cheers, mate. Hello, everyone. We're back with MPL2. And here on the show today, we welcome back to the show after quite a while, uh, Paul Townsley. Paul, how are you today, mate? I'm really good. I'm really good. I was actually quite flattered to be asked. I thought you'd forgotten about me. But <laughs> then I realised it was a public holiday and that probably nobody else was available. So, um, so uh, yeah, so here we are. Uh, that's not the truth, but anyway. All right, so um, <laughs> let's... Paul, let's get straight into it, shall we? Uh, the first matchup of MPL2 we had this weekend was ANU 3-2 over Wagga City Wanderers. We had uh, St- Luke Stevens scoring two goals for the Wanderers, and we had Carters, Peterkin, and Twyford scoring the goal goals for ANU. A strong but hard-fought victory from ANU, which keeps them on the top with O'Connor, so it was important points for them. Uh, and they also had four players out in this matchup, and they had a player come off after about 10 minutes, I was told, uh, with a hamstring injury. So they spent pretty much the first half in control and then Wagga City got back into it in the second half. There was a bit of co- a bit of a controversial call, I was told, uh, um, for one of the penalties that uh, was re- uh, received for Wagga City Wanderers. And you weren't too happy about that. But Wagga City Wanderers fought pretty well to get back into it in the second half. Jake Plongis, uh, sorry if I got that wrong, uh, hit the post and Nash... Suleiman uh, also had a shot saved. And from all accounts, uh, Paul, if I get it sent to me, I'll send it to you later. Luke Stevens apparently scored a terrific uh, volley, actually. Mm-hmm. that uh, So the ball ricocheted off one of the defenders and then boom, uh, massive volley from 20 to 25 metres out. Uh, what do you think about this uh, result, Paul? It's uh, an important win for ANU. They're gonna, if, you know, they want to keep near the top, they have to get as many points as possible because there's like a three-horse race now. Yeah. Four horse rest. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, I think I think we're in a situation at the moment where, obviously, you know, the travel over to uh, Wagga and Yagali is always a tough. It's always a tough ask. And I think that um, you know, if you get an injury early on, I think you know, having to reshuffle um, ANU are a very very well organised team. Um, they, they they press with intensity. They uh, recover very very quickly, and and they make, and they break the game up. So it's very very difficult for teams to. Um, so they get a foothold and get consistent possession um, against them. I think that uh, you know, Ron Peter King's starting to score again. Um, you know, he's, he's he's tried and tested, and uh, 
you know, he scores goals. You know, Sam Carter's, again, you know, he's, he's scoring. Um, you know, so they've, they're, in a, they're in a really good position at the moment, um, ANU. Um, you know, Wagga, you know, Wagga, Wagga have been it tough. You know, I mean, they've probably played, I think I had a, I had a quick look uh, this morning and I think they've used 26 players. You know, in the first sort of eight games, so like players that have actually sort of either, either been on the bench or, um, you know, actually played. And twenty-six players is a lot of players to to keep any sort of consistency and rhythm um, going for them. But they, um, you know, they they play they play periods of football. And I watched them against uh, O'Connor Knights. No, the O'Connor Knights sort of came away with what seemed like quite a, a, an easy victory. Um, there was periods of the game where actually they were in the game. And uh, they, they are dangerous on the counter attack. And when they're at home, yeah, you know, I mean, it's always, uh, um, yeah, it's always a challenge going over there. So, but I think that, that they'll have a message. They'll have a message before the end of the season. They'll uh, turn one of the big boys over, I'm sure. Yeah, well, they've already got two wins. You were there. Uh, you, I'm sure you would have been there when the when they played White Eagles when they got the victory. And I know there was a red card, and whatnot involved, but. Sometimes you have to, you know, have have those sort of moments go your way, and more importantly, take advantage of it. So, yeah, considering how hor- uh, how um, you know poorly they started the season, uh, there seems to be a good vibe now around Wagga after losing quite a few in a row. Then they got two wins, and then they haven't won in a couple now, but they've put it, they're probably putting better performances than they did at the start of the season. Yeah, I think they are, and I think that um, you know that. that they're in a situation when I mean, they've got a good three point points against us. And obviously there was one or two, you know, things that set us back um, on the, on that day. Um, but yeah, I still think that they're, you know, they're a team that can uh, cause one or two problems for uh, the guys chasing the four. Um, definitely. Um, you know, it's still, there's still a long way to go. And, you know, although we look at the table and we see, oh, you know, they've only got a few points, but that can turn around very, very quickly if you get a little bit of a run, run going on. So, you know, that can change very quickly. Yeah. yeah, and we'll touch a little bit more on ANU when we get into the previews because they're in a very big high-profile matchup this weekend mm. as well. All right, next up we have O'Connor Knights 3, Ugali SC 0, O'Rourke with two goals, and Yosef Yadrich with a goal on his return. Uh, before we get into some of these, uh, some of this news, there's there were some new signs for O'Connor. Um they had Nikola Trajkovsky from Queanbeyan City and Dean and Dennis Misic from Brindabella, as well as Paketi Manda from Western Malonglo. So mm-hmm. quite a few new signings in there for O'Connor. Um, and I, I guess that's no surprise, really, considering they had quite a few injuries over the last two or so months, Paul. Yeah, I think um, I think, I think they, they, they look a little bit stronger now that sort of Jack Rutherford's uh, been back from injury the last few games. Um, you know, um, Marcin, uh, Josip, um, has been a little bit in and out, but we know, you know, Yossi's a quality player. Um, you know, David McCarran as well. Um, I think he's had a, he's had a game off or might still be injured actually, David, but, you know, he's got 68, you know, so they're, you know, they're strengthening. They, uh, they look pretty ominous actually. Miro's got them going really, really well. Um, and, and the big thing that I've noticed really is that they're def- defensively, I think he's got them um, going really, really well. And again, you know, again, we've mentioned A and U, but again, the, the, the two teams that uh, have conceded less than everybody else. And to go to Ugali and uh, keep a clean sheet, um, you know, I think Miro has obviously set him up really, really well um, to get that result. And 
that also puts them in a pretty steady position head-to-head wise anyway against Ugali because I think they beat them 5-0 in the previous fixture at home and now 3-0 here. So they've done quite well against Ugali in the past, but to go to Griffith, as you know, it's a long trip and Ugali are a quality football side. So O'Connor really uh, showed up on the day, but in terms of uh, Ugali, what do you make of them so far this season? I know they've had a few, um, few issues with, uh, with, with the traveling and uh, sometimes they have, uh, they have the, the pick of their players. Sometimes they don't just depending on when the day is, but they're usually mm. pretty strong at home. Yeah, I think, I mean, they, they, they had, they've had quite a tough um, run as well because they had the run in the FFA Cup, which meant that, um, I think there was one week where they're actually sort of back-to-back um, two journeys in the week, which, you know, is a lot to ask, um, you know, especially with the guys working as well. And uh, I understand uh, um, Danny, Danny Roach sort of works nights as well. So <laughs> I think um, he was sleeping on the coach on the way back before kickoff, I think. Um, you know, so I think... Uh, I mean, Ugali are hot on the heels of uh, White Eagles. Um, just that point behind with the top four having to play each other this weekend. So, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see um, how that pans out for them. Um, as I said, Danny Roach, you know, he continues to hit the net. Um, he's, he's always been a threat. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, when you look at the results, when you think that, you know, they went, what, um, Western Longo, they, they, they won 3-2. Then they lost 3-2 at Quimbian. They won 5-4 at Brindabella. And then one nil to us. So every game, they're, they're actually in. You know, so, um, you know, so I think that, again, Ugali is another team that, you know, will have, have something to say about, you know, what's going to happen above them. Um, there's no doubt about that. And we've got to go there. I think, we, I think we've got to go there and uh, we'll go back-to-back in the uh, weekend. So... You know, it'll, uh, it'll be interesting. It certainly will be. And we saw their quality last season in the MPL uh, 2 final. Of course, it was a shortened season, so I'm sure it would have been easier to um, to amass the players for it. But in general, do you expect Ugali to push for that top four? They're only four points out. I think there's a there's a range of results. I think this next couple of weeks yeah. um, sort of sees... Uh, so the top four sort of play each other, um, you know, and especially for for, for, for White Eagles, because we play, obviously, uh, um, O'Connor this week and um, the joys of Quimby in the week after. So the way that the sort of uh, the draw's gone, you know, there's, you know, there's, we're going into a tough, tough period and, you know, and Ugali could, could quite easily, uh, you know, pick up some points and the pressure's back on us again. So, yeah, I think, uh, as I said, I think they're, they're a team that are going to have us here, you know, and I think people... Um, looking at the table, so I go, oh, well, you know, they've, they've had a, a bit of a tricky start, but they say there's still, what, 12 games to go. So, you know. There's a long way to go, and I think there's a lot way, There's a lot to play out, as we'll mention in the previews. But next up, we had Canberra White Eagles, Townsley, uh, not you, <laughs> Sandtrack, <laughs> McCarthy, Darami uh, with the goals for White Eagles, and Zach Lawrence with both the goals for Brindabella Blues. So it was 4-2 on the day. Uh, just to state... Paul Townsley, for you guys who don't know, is the under-23s coach of um, White Eagles. The uh, new head coach, though, well, new as in he's returned, uh, Graham Plath gets his first victory back after last week, uh, sorry, last round, they went down to ANU. So another strong performance from White Eagles, uh, Paul, especially in the first half. And mm. 
and Ben Townsley as well, gathering some good steam after he's been in and out with injuries and a goal and an assist on the day. Yeah, I think um, you know, Ben's been out for uh, one or two weeks. He's uh, spent a little bit of time in the 23s as well with a um, damaged turf. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him back um, playing on playing with the first grade. Um, David Rodriguez came in because uh, Rowan Maxwell was done well. Uh, Rowan's been playing really, really well. Um, you know, the younger end of the uh, group have been going really, really well. Um, you know, Milan Sandtrack, you know, he's starting to come into a little bit of form. Um, you know, he caused uh, uh, Brenda Bear a lot of problems, especially in the first half. Um, you know, and Ed McCarthy, what can I say? He just keeps scoring at the moment. So, um, like from anywhere. And, and, that's, and that's the thing about Ed at the moment. I mean, I think he got him with his head. Um, uh, the, this weekend and you know 25 yard of the other day and then a volley the other day. so you know Ed's, Ed's going well um, you know I think we're, we're starting to say yes there's been some changes but I think uh, you know Graham's you know Graham's been around um, for a while you know he knows he knows the score in uh, MPL2 um, you know and he's you know he's, he's been part of the club as well so so from an adjustment point of view I don't think it's it's, it's that huge um, you know I think you uh, yeah, I think the, the younger players are stepping up. I think that uh, when we play well, I think we 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 have a you know we we look okay. You know, so I think uh, again, you know, we'll we'll have a say in what goes on. So. And what are your thoughts on Brinda Bella? Because they were a team who a lot of people talked about at the start of the season. They were a lot of people were very. Whenever I talked to coaches, I was very complimentary of them, saying, "Geez, they gave us a tough match, or they were unlucky not to get some points, or they were unlucky not to." not to win. And for ages, there was this feeling around the club saying it's eventually going to come uh, because of how well they were playing. But mm. now they're um, go eight or nine rounds now, only one win. And they've lost their top scorer, Curtis Schaefer to Bill Connon, mm. uh, United in the MPL one. And they lost both the missages uh, recently to O'Connor Knights as well. So from someone like Lauren, uh, Zoran Glavnich's position, you need the likes of Zach Lawrence and whatnot to step up. And he did, mm. he did today. He did very well. Russ said that yeah. as well last week and he scored two goals. Yeah. He was, he's been very good throughout the season. Also, they're still very good going forward and they, they, they always fight back, but how difficult is, is that uh, as a coach when you know, you're mm. that close, you've been that close to winning so many times, but you're just not getting the results. I think, I think it's debut. I think that the, the one thing that Brenda Bella always have is a really, really good atmosphere. I think the boys, the boys are very tight. They're very well connected. Zoran, you know, and Zoran's an experienced coach. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, he's been, you know, he'll, he'll have had difficult times before as a coach. And, you know, as it stands at the moment, I'm sure that, you know, he'll continue to try and get the best out of the group of players um, that he has at his disposal. You know, losing, you know, I think any team that loses a striker that's sort of scored 98 games, yeah. Um, you know, but at, at any level, you know, he's, uh, he's going to be difficult to replace. Um, you know, as you say, Zach did play well at the weekend. Um, and, and uh, you know, at times they play decent football. Um, they've just got, got a habit at the moment where they concede uh, goals in clusters. And I think that, you know, they concede one and sometimes it's two and three, then they come back into the game. But, you know, then you're always at risk of being caught on the counter because you're actually pushing because you're chasing games. And, you know, I think Zoran, you know, Zoran knows that. He's an experienced coach and, you know, he'll, he'll rally the troops together. You know, if you look at the... Uh, you know, I mean, obviously we'll go to it, but uh, Western Malunga um, game this weekend becomes a massive game for both those two, um, just to get a little bit of men- momentum because uh, you know Brenda Bella then go into games against uh, O'Connor and Union Galley. So 
you know, it's a big game. This weekend for both those teams is actually a big game to see if they can get a little bit of momentum. So, yeah. Certainly will be. And the last match of the round before we get into the previews is Queenman City 4, Western Malongolo 1. Shields with two goals, Adams, Josifoski, and Western Malongolo's goal was from Sellers. Another uh, impressive display from Queenman City. Uh, good momentum for them heading into the massive match against ANU on the weekend as they continue to stay the course, only one point below ANU and O'Connor. 3-0 up in the first half, Paul. Uh, dominate a lot of the play in possession. Mark Shields again on the score sheet. But um, before we get into Western Malongolo, what do you think about Queanbeyan City so far this season? A lot of five now. Um, yeah, I think, uh, look, I, th- I think you know, at the moment, O'Connor are top and they're going really, really, really well. But when you look at the um, team sheet, <laughs> that uh, Gabby's uh, putting out at the moment with regards to Quimbian, you know, Mark Shields, Michael Adams, Michael Keita, and then, uh, you know, that sort of elusive uh, character, Dom Colicello, suddenly popping up on the uh, um, team sheet the yeah. other day. He's, yeah, he's um, one of the new signings. I think he played 20 or so minutes, something like that, at the end of the matchup. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, put him alongside, so, you know, Dean and Dean and Michael, and Michael Keita, Michael Adams. You know, they've got um, a lot of go forward and, bringing Dom into that sort of uh, midfield, you know, offers that sort of security. You know, he's, he's a very, very talented player. Um, you know, Mark Shields, well, eight goals in nine. Michael Adams, seven in nine. You know, so they've got firepower all over. So, again, you know, teams have to set up uh, um, to, to, to work against that and they've got to stay nice and compact and, you know, and and work really, really hard. You know, you work you work right against teams like uh, Quenbian and O'Connor. It's got to be massive, you know, because they can hurt you. So, yeah. And Western Malongolo didn't have a first half to cherish from all accounts, but uh, being 3-0 down, of course, that meant they needed to come out and have a positive performance. And from more reports, they did for the first 20 or so minutes. And when they got their goal um, through a penalty, through a handball from uh, Quenbian, they conceded uh, not too long after from Mark Shields, and that always sort of you know puts a mm. float in your sails. Even if even if you are even if it is just three one, you know you have that momentum. But boom, uh, that sort of um, yeah gets the float out of the sails. But overall, uh, you mentioned how it's going to be a big game for both Brindies mm. and Western Malonglo. What about Western Malonglo so far this season for you? I know they've had a, quite a few injuries and players in and out. They just haven't been. Uh, settled like they were at least at the start of last season anyway and i think i, I think that's probably been the key for uh for ned he's actually getting a getting some sort of consistency and uh i think he struggled with one or two injuries i think he's had one or two key players um carrying knocks um you know and i think that you know when you when you're a small squad you know it, it hurts you and um you know i know that uh, one or two of the lads from the 23s have stepped up and um, you know, and they've played, you know, and, and, and their 23s are going well as well. So, you know, there's, there's still a lot, you know, a lot of good things at the moment. And, uh, you know, Ned's doing it tough at the moment. But, you know, and again, they're, they're a team that can, you know, play really good football for periods of games. And if they can get their nose in front, then, you know, it may give them a, a confidence boost to actually see a game out, as opposed to you say, you know, sometimes when you're chasing games, the, the risk is you get caught and suddenly, you know, you concede a lot more than, um, the game probably should be, but um, you know, as you say, I think this weekend is going to be massive. I think it's a really, really big um, game for both these teams this weekend with regards to confidence and moving into this middle 
middle period of the uh, uh, of the season. So, you know, I think uh, and there's some quality there. You know, you, you know, there is some quality at uh, Western, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, they uh, put a decent uh, a full ninety minutes together. And let's get into round 10, shall we? Let's start with ANU, ANU against Queanbeyan City. Saturday, June 19th, 3.15 at ANU South Oval. Matt, one of the massive matches for this weekend. Michael's going with Queanbeyan on this one. I'm going to go the opposite. I'm going to go with ANU. I think it'll be extremely close like it was last time. I just think the thing that is hindering Queanbeyan City at the moment is when you look at the matches between all three of the top three, mm. ANU are the only ones, that, uh, sorry, Queanbeyan are the only ones that haven't won. Uh, mm. They didn't beat O'Connor. They didn't beat ANU. They were very close matches. And there's no reason why Queen Bean can't win. I just think in these big matches, they haven't shown that they can, whether they've got all the chances, like apparently they did against uh, ANU, but they just, mm. um, but ANU were just um, very solid defensively. They just haven't been able to break down like O'Connor and ANU when they put out a more defensive side because we all know they can play both sides of the ball, but against Queanbeyan, yeah. they switch it on defensively and they show up. I think it will be a very close one. I'm going to go with ANU. How, just how do you, what do you see in this matchup? What do you think will be some of the key things in it? I think that the, um, I mean, the key things obviously for me will, will be the midfield battle. Um, yep. You know, obviously the uh, strength of Michael Keaton sort of carrying the ball um, and, 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 and that's very different, you know, to, to sort of the passing game that, you know, Michael can carry, you know, and he carries hard, um, you know, sort of Dean and, you know, if you've got Dom fit as well, um, you know, Michael Adams in front of that. I think that my, my view would be that I think if they win the midfield battle, I think uh, Quimbian will probably come away with the points. Um, but again, ANU, that's very, very well organised, very well drilled, very, very high intensity, very fit. So it's going to be a battle of what I see as two sort of contrasting sort of teams, really, I think. Um, you know, I think A and U will sort of uh, work very, very hard, keep it, keep it very, very tight, and um, you know, look for that sort of counter and see if they can get, uh, um, you know, either Sam or uh, Ron Peter King, um, sort of um, on that break and get them one on one. So. And next up, we've got Canberra White Eagles, O'Connor Knights, another massive matchup. The Derby, <laughs> uh, the Derby as well. Saturday, June nineteenth, three fifteen p.m. at Woden Park in Closed. I'm sure the Eagle Burgers will be there and uh, sizzling. Uh, before this one, um, yeah. Michael Michael is going with White Eagles in this one. I'm it's a tough one. I'm going to go with O'Connor. They're just their form has just been insane at the moment. And I thought if they were going to slip up or get a draw or whatnot, Ugali that trip to Ugali would have been it. But they they just came out and they were absolutely terrific in that matchup. Uh, that easily could have been a banana peel or a draw for them or something like that. But they proved uh, their quality. And recently, they've just been in very good form. And they did beat ANU. And I, I think that was a match I saw you at. And they were very good yeah. against ANU as well. So, And you've mentioned and again, how well a, they can play defensively. Yeah. And that, again, that was a very sort of cagey. It was like watching a game of chess, wasn't it? You know, yeah. it was very physical. It was very tight. It was, you know, both teams working really hard, um, you know, to, to, to break the other out. And, and yeah, the goal, the goal came. You know, solitary goal came sort of quite late on, which was, you know, which was a big goal. It was a big goal. Um, so, yes, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, we're going into it with uh, hopefully, um, you know, a full strength um, group to pick from. Um, you know, it is going to be a tough game. The last game was a tough game. Um, you know, when you're, when you're battling in the top four, there isn't an easy one. So, and especially this season, you know, because there's 
not much to pick between any of the teams when they actually play well. Um, so I think that uh, I mean obviously I've got to, I've got to wear on that side, and so I say that I think I think we'll sneak we'll sneak it. Um, but uh, yeah, again, it's, it's it's a difficult one to to pick because I think that, that there's a you know those teams at the top, neither one are going to give an awful lot away. So. Yeah, so that's first. Well, joint first with ANU against third place Queanbeyan and then joint first O'Connor against fourth place White Eagles. And like you mentioned, it's going to, these, considering the results, obviously if they're both draws and it just all stays, you know, the way it is. But if, yeah. if, 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 if either side can beat each other, then it, well, I think we're in for an interesting couple of rounds like you mentioned. And yeah. another a big one, they're all, when I said, looked at all the seven or eight, sorry, seven fixtures uh, at the start of the season. I said this specific fixture round is the biggest for um, for all the, the league. So we've got Brenda Bella as well against Western Malonglo. So all four matches this week going to be pretty close, I think. So we've got Saturday, June 19th, 4.45 p.m. Ipen Park, which is out in Corwell. Brenda Bella Blues against Western Malonglo. Michael's going with the Brindies. I'm going to say a draw for this one. I think uh, the Brindies are due for some points, and they've and they've uh, they've got the attacking talent. We've all seen it. They just, like you said, they just need to sort of figure out how to stop those goals in clusters. And I think, but I think Western Malongolo are starting to get uh, a lot of their players back that were injured. Mm. So, and they they're always fight. They're always up for this game. Uh, from what I've been told, the Brindies and Western Malongolo is always a close game. I'm going to go for draw on this one. What do you think will be some of the key things to look out for in, in this match? I think um, if um, Western Malongo get their players back, um, which I've sort of heard that there's a little bit of uh, momentum with regards to getting the players back from injury, um, you know, if, if, if they get a full week training together, um, pending rain and uh, anything else that can cap- happen in Canberra, um, you know, I think that um, it's going to be actually a tight game. And I think we've, we've seen that both, team, both teams can, can score. I think it's going to be a battle of the defences, really. I think, um, you know, I think both teams have got to shore up and um, try and try and get the win. I think it, there, there will be goals, and um, I'm going. Uh, ooh, hey, um, I'm friends with both coaches. How do you do this? I was like, no, you know, like um, you don't have to. It's all right. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go three to uh, Western. There we go. It, a close one indeed. Next up, we've got Ugali against Wagga City Wanderers. <coughs> As we as we build here on the show, the Riverina Derby, uh, Michael. Uh, so it's uh, Sunday, June twentieth, two p.m. Solomad Stadium. Michael went with Ugali for this one. I'm going to go with Ugali as well. It's going to be closer than people think. Wagga have done really well to fight back, but Ugali, especially at home, uh, especially when they play on Sundays, they seem to have a full squad. Everyone's there, and also one thing is whenever you Gali lose, they always come back so much stronger the next game. They're one of those teams mm. that reacts very well to a loss. Um, so I'm expecting them to, to, to do that, but it'll be closer than people think because Wagga have really started to pick up momentum. So credit to Dave Leonard there and the crew over at Wagga. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, you know, as you say, it's a derby, you know, and you know, whether or not um, you Gali uh, has sort of gotten nosed in front at the moment or, you know, a Wagga have, uh, you know, struggled a little bit. Uh, actually goes out the window a little bit when you're uh, playing against your mates. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a tough one. I think uh, Wagger will come out wanting to uh, prove a point. Um, I think probably uh, Yagali maybe just at the moment have that little bit of quality that might sort of save them home. But, um, you know, I think Wagger will, uh, Wagger will uh, come out and, 
want to take the points from this one because I think that, you know, again, these next few games are about momentum and, and going into some games against either tougher teams or the teams below you. I think if you can actually get that win and get a little bit of momentum, I think that that's going to, you know, it's going to be a, a game changer over these next few games because if not, it's going to be a long, you know, a long 12 games for somebody. So. Paul, thank you very much for joining me today. I look forward to having you back on the show in a, in a couple of weeks and enjoy the Euros. Uh, I'm sure you like the rest of us <laughs> with these sleepless nights yeah. ahead. Yeah, I saw that little sneaky little uh, Italian top that you were in yeah. there. It's a, um, uh, they're unfortunately not wearing the Renaissance kits. Like, have you seen their Renaissance kits? I they're not wearing them this year. Is they're wearing the horrible new uh, Puma logo, uh, Puma generic tops. Even Switzerland, I saw them play. They had a, another very bad average yeah. top. So this were these were the jerseys I had before then. So mm. I don't think Italy are going to win. Though I'm going to go with France, but I think they're well, my pick. That's a, that's a whole other uh, topic for a podcast, isn't it? You know, like, it is. It is. Uh, listen to <laughs> Jeremy. Jeremy's going to start doing his uh, his French football podcast. Is going to start doing it on the Euros. So um, mm. start listening yeah. to that. But uh, before you go, what, who do you reckon will win the Euros? I know it's early. Um, but... I think France have got to be up there. I think um, Belgium can't write off because I think they're a, an absolute quality team. Um, but I, I, I do genuinely think that given the uh, distinct advantage England seem to have at this moment in time, I mean, you know, to win it, they only have to play one away game. Like, you know, in reality, if you, if they're not going to make a push for this one, then uh, I don't think I'm going to see it in my lifetime. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, let's not forget there's only one more year before the next one. All right. Thank you very much, right. Paul. Thank you very thank much you. everyone for joining us today. That was episode 32 of the Canberra Football Show. And we'll see you next week and uh, try and get some sleep over the next week and uh, two or three weeks. Thank you. Thank you.